Our study today is entitled Safe and Secure. Safe and Secure. What is it that makes you feel safe? Home? Security cameras? What makes you feel safe and secure? Security cameras, familiar places, alarms, house alarms, insurance policies. Yeah, what makes you feel safe? Memorizing passwords. Passwords, yeah, those help, help you feel a little safer. What else? How about lights? Do lights help you feel safe? Yeah, absolutely, you know? That's why they have them in the parking lot at nighttime. They, don't, they want people to feel safe. Um, sometimes it's those cameras. You just want to know, if anything happens to me, at least there's a camera that's going to catch it, you know? It's like, um, what else makes you feel safe? Bank account with a positive balance. How about that? It might not be much, but as long as you're on the positive side, you know, it makes you feel a little secure. When you have a job, amen, you know, like provisions, things in place, sometimes a secure job, yeah. Yeah, sometimes you could have a job and not feel secure. You go to work nervous that anything might happen, you know, it's like, but yeah, having provisions there, absolutely, I think that helps make you feel a little safer and a little more secure. How about good friends? Hey, I'm surprised nobody said good friends. I love having good friends. You know, they make me feel very secure. <laughs> a few select friends, you know, friends that I know are praying for me. Even if they can't be there with me, I know they're praying for me. You know, friends that I know are lifting me up to God, even when they don't know how to help me. Um, they have my best interest at heart. Your spouse, how about a good spouse? Yeah. Yeah, that's helpful as well. The, the key here is healthy, healthy relationships, okay? Healthy relationships, I believe, help me feel very safe and secure. That's me speaking for myself. One of my friends came up to me um, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, and he said, wow, Tim, you know, your family is growing. And um, I don't know what it must be like for you having five kids, but if anything were to happen to your kids, if someone got in an accident or somebody got sick, what are you going to do? It's like, what if you couldn't work anymore, Tim? You know, how are you going to provide for your family? And, you know, it, it was a really good thing he came up to me because I said, you, you raise a very good point. Things happen to my kids all the time. And he said, listen, if any of your kids get in an accident, just pay this small deductible and they're covered. Right? And he offered me this really cool package, this plan that kind of gives me that safe feeling that if anything were to happen by accident to my kids, or if we all got in a car accident, that there will at least be some funds there to help cover us during that time that we're down and out. Right? So having some in insurance policies in a way in, a pla in place. And just like if you have a car, Right? I, I was watching CP24 yesterday and they were talking about every driver must have driver's insurance. Okay? And um, the car should not be on the road if you don't have driver's insurance. Because if anything were to happen, 
Who's responsible? Who's going to help cover the costs of car repair or car replacement or for rental fees? You know, all these unexpected things come up. And they say you need a good insurance policy. So you just pay this deductible and you'll be covered for this amount. But what if it's a really bad crash? It doesn't matter. This is your deductible. This is what you pay monthly. And you're covered up to this amount. And it's usually some ridiculous amount. So you're like, OK, good deal. I need this insurance anyway. So you pay for it. Life can be full of surprises and uncertainty. And too many proclaimed Christians treat God like some sort of insurance policy. Say that again. Too many proclaimed Christians treat God like some sort of insurance policy. They say things like, if only I pay the deductible. What does that look like with God? Some people think, well, if I say my prayers, if I read my Bible, if I go to church, if I give offerings, if I do good things, if I take communion, if I get baptized, then, then God will cover me. Hmm. Hold on. You see, with an insurance policy, there's a deductible. There's something you have to pay. There's something you got to do, right? But with God, it's not like that. He doesn't say, you need to do these things before I cover you. He says, listen, even before you were born, I got you covered. Even before you repented, I got you covered, right? And the plan that God had for us was better than any insurance plan you could ever come across. See, what God offers, it's not insurance. He offers us assurance. Mm -hmm. Let's look at how these things are different. Our first section is called insure, ensure, assure, unsure. Ensure <laughs> is a drink. If you miss your meal... There's a drink called Ensure, E-N-S-U-R-E, and it's treated like a meal replacement where you still get your vitamins. And it comes in a uh, chocolate and strawberry and vanilla, very creamy, very satisfying. If you don't like creamy, you could add water, thin it down, and let it last longer. Um, but that's to ensure that you're getting the vitamins that you need. Okay? Let's, hear, let's look here. To assure a person of something is to make him confident of it. When you want to assure somebody, you're helping them be confident of something. To ensure that something happens is to make certain that it does, just like that drink. If you miss your meal, they want to make sure that you get your nutrients, okay? So ensure, what a suitable name. Um, to ensure is to cover it with an insurance policy. Okay, usually with a deductible, and then you get all those benefits. So some people feel like, well, if I go to church every week, if I sing in the choir, if I do this and that, then I might still get covered and get a chance to go to heaven. What happens if you stop going to church? What happens if you forgot to pray this morning? You know, all of a sudden, does that compromise your relationship with God? Sometimes we forget. But does that change how God treats us? Does that change what God offers us? No, what God offers, he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He never changes, all right? So this is the assurance. God wants to ensure that anyone that comes to believe is well assured that he's got us covered, okay? 
Let's look at this. Here's a verse we know very well, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. How many of you have heard this verse before? Yes? Okay. And you probably memorized it, and it's good and great. But there's that weird word right in the middle of it all, perish. I mean, how often do you use the word perish in your everyday language? Not often, unless you're reciting John 3.16. Whoever believes in him shall not perish. Now, I used to read this verse and just think, if I believe in Jesus, I get eternal life. That's awesome. The way I used to understand it as a child was, if I believe in Jesus, I get to go to heaven. I get to live forever. But eternal life is so much more than just about living forever, all right? Eternal life is talking about this life outside of this time and space that we know. It's something greater. Eternal means no beginning and no end. Eternal means it goes on and on like it's not bound, all right? So learning to appreciate this concept of eternal life, it's a life greater than anything we could know right now in our physical bodies, okay, in the natural world. So this eternal life is otherworldly in a sense. But let's go back to that word perish. What it means is to suffer destruction or ruin, to pass away, to disappear. Now, you might think, I'm not afraid of death. I might die. Everybody dies, you know, and one day it'll be my time. And we read this verse and we take it so lightly. We think, oh, yeah, if God loved the world, he gives his son. If I believe in him, then I won't die the eternal death, but I'll live forever. It's so much more than that. That word perish, there's an element of suffering that goes along with that. If you don't believe, then you, there is that element of suffering that occurs. And this isn't just that, just when Jesus comes again. No, we suffer through life now. Why? Because we're trying to do it on our own. All right? We're relying on ourselves. We try to make ourselves feel safe. We try to make ourselves feel secure. We try and um, invest in every insurance policy. We try to get more money back from the bank. We try to do, make sure that we get that raise at work. We try to make sure that our friends will never leave us. We try to make sure of all these things to make ourselves feel safe and secure. But we're acting out of anxiety and fear and worry and doubt. Suffer. When we believe in Jesus, when we learn to trust him, you don't need to suffer destruction. You don't need to suffer ruin. You don't have to worry that you will disappear. Okay? Instead, God gives you eternal life. A gift. Life. A gift I think we take for granted. A gift we haven't even begun to comprehend what it is. Eternal life. It was worth giving up his own son so that you could have it. He wants to assure you that you have it. 
Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It is by grace we have been saved, right? Because we don't deserve this life after. That's God's grace. He gives us what we don't deserve. All right? Um, the wages of sin is death. We're all sinners, and we have all sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? So if we've all sinned, then what is our paycheck? Death. All right? Grace means that God loves, that God forgives, that God saves us, not because of who we are or what we do, okay? It's because of the work of Christ. Faith is a gift from God. You cannot boast about the faith that you have, okay? No matter how much you read your Bible, no matter how many sermons we listen to, whatever it is, no matter how many times you come to praise gathering, your faith is a gift from God. It's not anything you built up. God builds your faith so that we can't boast. If you think you're a better Christian than the next guy, don't judge them. God's still working on them. He's, he's still working on you. You know, it's like faith is a gift from God. All right? Question is, how often are you accessing that gift? Hey, you know, my, my wife gave me a beautiful gift one year, and um, it sits there on my end table beside my bed. It's beautiful. It's this little figurine. We were just friends at the time, and she gave me this thing to let me know that, you know, I'm always your friend. And there's a little inscription. It said, I'm always here for you. And it's just two people like praying and embracing this weird sculpture. And it's a beautiful thing, you know? What better way to celebrate friendship than to assure your friend, I will always be there for you. So here's a gift that my wife gave me. Do I use it for anything? No, it just sits there on the end table. Honestly, sometimes I don't even look at it. It's there, I know it's there, I know she gave it to me, but what good is it to me I don't, if I don't look at it? To remind myself, listen, my wife gave this beautiful message to me. She said that she'll always be there with me as a friend. Here we are now, we're married, and guess what? She's still there with me, right? Do I need that constant reminder, that little gift? It's good to be reminded every now and then. It's good to be assured of that. There are some days where we're both so tired, and we both need to sleep. And I'm just like, okay, you know what? It's morning, you sleep, I'll be with the kids. Later, I sleep and you take the kids. We don't, we don't get to see each other. And guess how many kids there are? There's five, okay? So you feel alone, believe me, okay? If your spouse is sleeping and you're watching the kids, guess what? It's lonely, it's hard. Recently, we rearranged our room and I dusted off my end table and there's that little figurine. And even though my wife is sleeping, I'm assured as I look at that gift and remember, you know what, we're in this together. We are in this together. She's not leaving. She might be sleeping, but she's not leaving. You know? You need that assurance sometimes. The same thing with God. He gives us faith as a gift, okay? 
as a gift to remind us that you don't have to do this alone. You were never going to be alone. I want you to feel secure. I want you to feel safe. I want you to remember, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. We are in this together. Take my hand and walk with me daily. And even if you don't feel like it, sometimes you need to rest. And God says, you know what? Rest in me. Just stay with me. There's no safer place to be than in the hands of God. Faith is a gift from God that saves and cannot be exercised from our own power. If you don't know what to be thankful for, be thankful for the faith that God is building in you, friends. You feel like your faith isn't big enough yet? You know what? Stay there. Let it grow. God will grow your faith. Okay? Believe it. He'll do it. Okay? There's a passage here. Seems kind of out of place. It's found in Revelation, chapter 3, verse 17. And this passage here is um, to the lukewarm church in Laodicea. Okay? You say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Yeah, they're self deceived. Right? Do you find yourself being self-sufficient or self-reliant? You wake up every morning and you already know what you need to do for the day. So you have your checklist. You know exactly what you're going to eat for breakfast so that you have enough energy to do what you need to do for today. And you wake up in the morning and you don't even... You don't even think about welcoming God that day. You don't even think about, okay, God, we're here together. Thank you for waking me up. No, it's like, oh, I got up. Oh, good thing I got up. I set, I set my alarm last night, and my alarm clock did not fail me. My alarm clock woke me up. And now I'm going to get myself out of bed. I'm going to get in the shower. I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to go and do everything I need to do for myself today. Oh, wait, I forgot that I need to spend time with God for five minutes. Let me do my devotion. Okay, time's up. And then you get on with your day and you're self-reliant. You don't even think twice about God walking with you. Why? Because you're too busy for what you have to do today. You say, I am rich. I've become wealthy. I don't need anything. I got this covered. I could handle it. Are you self-sufficient? Do you rely on your own earning ability to give yourself the life that you desire here in this world? Maybe you don't rely on your earning ability, but maybe you're relying on getting a lucky draw at the lotto. Lotto? Lotto 649. All these different things. You know, I don't make enough money, but you know, I, I trust that maybe one day I'm going to win that lottery. So you put more money down. You think you don't need anything, and you don't know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. If your life is going so well right now, you might feel like, hey, listen, I'm here in Canada. I've got it made. My life might not be perfect, but it's better than the life I left behind. You know, you compare yourself to other people, and you think, I make more money than they do. I'm better. Are you lying to yourself? Do you feel more secure based on what you're able to do? Some of the richest people in the world are the loneliest and the saddest. They have no security of their, you know, they have more money and they, they don't know who their real friends are. 
Do their friends want them because of their money? Or do their friends actually care about them? You know, what happens when the money's gone? You lose your friends. Right? William Randolph Hearst. Have you heard that name before? He's like one of the richest men in his time. He had this beautiful castle up on a mountaintop out there in California, Big Sur, California. I had the privilege to go there with my family and just see the wonder that he had. He had a, a zoo. He had his own zoo. He had a, a swimming pool where each tile was laid out with two pieces of glass and in the middle, a gold leaf. Lots of little tiles, just gold leaf swimming pool. And he had columns, you know, outside his swimming pool. It looked like, it looked like Rome, right? And uh, it looked like he had such an impressive life. Politicians, hockey players, everybody, they, all the celebrities would go out and celebrate and party at his house. His wife and his four sons, and a daughter as well. They're like, wow, William Randolph Hearst has everything. But guess what? They all left him. You could have all the things in the world, but you won't have us. You chased your dreams, you chased everything you desire, and you thought everything was so secure because you had money, but you lose what matters most. You lose your family, you, you lose the things you ought to be loving. Here's a question, friends. What deductibles are you paying to ensure a better life for you here in this temporal world? For what does a man profit if he should gain the whole world and suffer the loss of his soul? Let's look at acceptance, security, and significance. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's that word again, a gift, okay? Spiritual death is a paycheck for man's slavery to sin. Eternal life is a free gift that God gives to undeserving sinners who believe in his Son. We are undeserving sinners, friends. Have you received the gift from God, this gift of eternal life? It won't cost you anything. There's no deductible. All right? Let's look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 27. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Believers are accepted as God's children through faith in Christ Jesus. Do you remember what it was like to be a child? Yeah? Did you have to work for your food? No, you wake up, you open your mouth, and there's food there. Even if your parents aren't the, the nicest people, there, there's still food there. All right? Just knowing that, you know, I could wake up today and I have fresh air. The sun will shine on me, right? There's water to drink. There's going to be food in my belly. I belong to this family. You know, it may not be the best, but I belong to a family. I'm not alone. As a child, 
the childlike faith that you have when you wake up in the morning. I'm going to wake up, and no matter what happens, I'm going to get through today, right? There's that sense of security. There's that sense of safety. There's that learning to trust, you know? There will be food. There will be a bed to lie on. There will be a roof over my head, okay? Believers are accepted as God's children. What does it mean to be baptized into Christ? This isn't talking about the water baptism. Remember, the water baptism, just so we're clear, is simply an outward expression of a transformation that has already occurred in the heart, okay? Where a sinner repents and gives their life to Jesus, and the water baptism is just a declaration. You know, this is what God has done in my life. This is what God has called me to, and now I'm submitting my life to Jesus, all right? But to be baptized into Christ it, it still has the same sense of being immersed. Immersed. Like the water baptism, it's not sprinkling. The, the visual is that we're being immersed into the water. And what that signifies is that we're identifying with Christ, that we were with Christ in his death, and we go down into a watery grave. And we are in Christ when he was raised from the, from the grave. Okay? So we are no longer dead in sin, but we are now alive where? In Christ. You see? So to be baptized into Christ is about being immersed in who Christ is. Okay? It means to be placed in Christ by spiritual miracle of union with him in his death and in his resurrection. And so as a result of being united with Christ that way, we then put on Christ, okay? We, we're not glorifying ourselves. We're not living for vain glory. No, now we live to glorify Christ, right? Like some of the husbands and wives, when they get married, they, there's a tradition where they might exchange rings. And that ring there on the fourth finger signifies, oh, I belong to somebody else. And they wear that ring proudly to show everybody else, listen, I'm taken, don't tempt me because I want to remain faithful. You know, it's like, same thing with Jesus. It's like, we need to put on Christ, all right? Because we've been united with Christ in his death, in his life, and his resurrection, okay? So we put on Christ, and we're like, listen, devil, don't come near me today. Don't try and tempt me today because I'm remaining faithful to Jesus, okay? I belong to him. I'm safe with him. You never made me feel safe, devil, right? I don't want to go back to you, devil. I don't want to go back to my old ways of the world. I found something better. I found something worth... I found something that's giving me assurance for the future. I found my life in Christ. So we clothe ourselves with Christ's righteousness before God. We don't deny God, okay? Anytime our selfishness and our pride rises up, those are opportunities for us to deny Christ. So remain humble. Don't let the pride rise up. Remain humble. Remain submitted to Christ. Remain in him. Before God and in our conduct. Before men. 
I like this verse in Psalm 61, verse 3. For you have been a refuge for me, a tower of strength against the enemy. I love that. Have you ever felt like you just needed a place to go, a place to reset, a place to escape to, a place to breathe in the middle of your day? It's like a place of refuge. It's like sanctuary. When I was single, I had my own bedroom. Those were the days. Yeah. I had my own bedroom. And I, I, I believe that my bedroom was a place for me to rest, for me to just be me, be, be creative, you know, to, to just sit and not worry about what anybody else might think of me. I could just be me, the truest me that I knew. And I would go to that room if I got in a fight with my parents or a fight with my siblings. Where would I go? Straight to my room. That was my sanctuary. It was my refuge. And in my room, although there's a pile of clothes in the corner and clutter over here and leftover pizza over there, I always made sure my bed was clean. <laughs> Why? Because that bed was my place of refuge. Sometimes life throws things at you, and it just makes you want to feel like you want to curl up and just let the whole world fade away. That was my bed. That was my refuge. Then I got married, and my wife, I guess, she moved in with our family, and it wasn't my room anymore. It was our room, but ultimately it became her room. Because where would my wife escape to? What was her place of refuge? I mean, it should be with me, right? But if I was a cause of any turmoil for her, where would she escape to? You know? So I let her have the room. I let her, here's your bed, okay? Just, it's our bed, but if you need refuge, it's yours. I will stay out of it. Take your time. Now we have five kids. There is no refuge. Oh, no, I lie. There is refuge. Guys? The bathroom, absolutely. You go to the bathroom, you lock that door, you sit down, you take your 10 minutes, you know? Anything longer than 10 minutes is too long. Just sit and, and let the world fade away. <laughs> Breathe in the fresh air. <laughs> it's the only place of refuge. And when you're weak, what do you go to for strength? You're barely making it through the day, three o'clock rolls around, what are you doing? I need my coffee. Where's my Tim's? I need a boost. Maybe a quick chocolate bar. I just need something to get through the day. I know that you all know what it's like to feel weak and tired, to feel nervous, anxious, uncertain. We all know what that's like. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, all right? But today, friends, God wants to offer you a place of refuge. He wants to offer you his strength. He wants to encourage you that, you know what, we're going to get through today. Okay? Let's just get through today. I don't know what tomorrow's bringing. That's what I say. But God knows. There's no safer place to be than in the hand of God. 
who knows all things, and he's still working all things together for good because I love the Lord. Okay. What's going on in your life today? Everything great? <laughs> it's a lie. You know, everyone's like, oh, hi, how are you? I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, life's great. Lies. It's what we say to be polite. You don't want to burden anybody. Oh, how's life? Oh, man, it sucks. Nice talking to you. You know, it's like, see you later. You know, but we've learned how to hide behind this mask. It's like we don't feel safe being with other people. And the enemy is succeeding in making us feel isolated and alone. Depression and anxiety is at an all-time high. Loneliness is at an all-time high. I thought social media was supposed to make people feel more connected. More people are feeling lonely and bullied, left out. The enemy is succeeding at making us feel isolated and alone. We feel safer now in our own hiding. God wants to encourage us, friends, through his church. He says, listen, do not give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Okay? Do not give up on meeting together. The early church, they were meeting together daily. They broke bread daily. Here we are, we come together, what, once a week? Right? If you're part of an access group, maybe twice a week. Okay? And even then, it's still not enough. We're not meant, it's not good for man to be alone. All right? We were created for community. And unless we start obeying what God wants in that, if we don't start living in accordance with God's design for how he created human beings, you will never feel safe. You will never feel secure. I'm telling you now, I have suffered and struggled with depression for as long as I remember, at least my preteen years. That's when it all started, okay? Um, I suffered from insomnia for like way too long. I was not sleeping. I couldn't sleep. I was so shaken. I never felt safe anywhere. I never felt like I belonged or fit in anywhere. I was just that weird, odd kid. And as I grew up, I still felt that way into my 20s. And then I found a faith community, and I, I started to get some hope. I was like, yes, now I, I believe in Jesus now. Now I, I could start living that way, and I realized, you know what? I'm still lonely. Even though I'm part of that community, I'm, I'm lonely because I was just an observer. I didn't get involved. I wasn't accountable to anybody. I, I went to church if I wanted to feel good about myself, right? And someone says, wow, that, that's a nice suit you have, you know? And they make you feel good. Wow, nice purse. Nice hair, you know? Thanks, I worked really hard today, you know? Because we're all craving affirmation. We're all craving connecting somehow, okay? It wasn't until I got my access group. I mean, outside of my family, my family's been great, but every family has its struggles, right? But it wasn't until I found my access group, my access group, my mini church, a bunch of weirdos kind of put together, people that would not normally hang out with each other if it wasn't for that group. The purpose of our access group was practice being the church together. Just, just come. 
You don't have to do anything. Just, just come. And we're going to pray to God, and we're going to figure this out. We're going to let God lead us and guide us. We don't know what we're doing, but we know God knows what he's doing. So just hang in there. And although life is going like crap a lot of the time, you know what? Knowing that I have that group of people that are always praying for me no matter what, I might piss them off, I might annoy them, I might treat them like garbage one day because I'm not having a good day, but I know that, you know what, they're going to forgive me, they're going to love me, they're going to lift me up in prayer to God. I feel safe there with all these weirdos. Do I like them? Not all the time, but I love them. I love them heaps, <laughs> all right? <laughs> and, um, and here's the thing, though. Like, we were meeting weekly, and um, after my last kid was born, we've barely been able to connect, maybe a couple weeks here and there. And just not meeting with my group as regularly, I know something's missing. I know something's missing. And, uh, we were made for more, friends. If that's you today, if you just go to church to feel connected with people, there's so much more. We need to actually be the church together, okay? Call each other up in the middle of the week. If you need prayers, text somebody and trust that they're going to pray for you, all right? If you need a hug, go grab coffee, okay? Coffee is always a good excuse. If you're lonely, call a friend up and have coffee. All right? There's nothing that brings people together like Tim Hortons. Friends, do you know God to be a place of refuge? Do you know him to be a tower of strength for you? When the world is going against you, let God be your strength. Let God be your shield. Let God be the warrior. He's the one that's fighting for you. Okay? You don't have to fight. God says, remain with me, and together, if you stay with me, all things are possible. All things are possible. Remember, we talk about how God likes an audience, right? God is all about his glory. God's like, listen, walk with me, and just watch me. Watch what I'm going to do. If you think God still has to prove himself to you, he, he doesn't have to prove anything to you, all right? He's just like, listen, I want you to come along with me. We're going to have a good life together, and just watch how we're going to make this life good, all right? If you don't know God to be a place of refuge, you don't have to put your hand up. But if you don't know that God is a safe place for you, in your heart, I just want you to say quietly in your heart, just say, that's me. If you don't know how God could be your strength, just quietly in your heart, just say, Tim, that's me. Lord God, I know there are people in this place today that are acknowledging that they need you. They want to know you more because right now it seems like you're so far away. Lord God, there are some people in this room that I just said, that's me. I lift them up into your hands, oh God. And if there are people around that person today, Lord God, use them, move them to rally around each other. 
Build up their faith. Build up their confidence, Lord God. Let them know that your church is alive and active and your church is ready to love on them. They have a place here. They are welcome. They are part of your family, Lord God. Move in their life, O oh God. If you're lonely today, if you're hurting today, in your heart, just say, that's me. If you want more out of this life with God, just say, that's me. And God hears your heart. God knows your secrets, all right? And he'll speak your language. Friends, I pray that God will assure you that a life with him ensures that you will have everything you need for life and living. You will never be in lack, okay? God provides our every need. I invite you to be part of his church. I invite you to be part of his family. I invite you to see yourself as a child of God, of a loving father that is providing your every need. I invite you to change your mind about all the lies that you've been believing. I invite you to find assurance in Christ Jesus. Look at John 10, verse 27 to 29. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Now if your friend is going through something and they're asking for prayer... Guys, just, um, you might not know what to pray. You might feel unqualified to pray for somebody else. No, we could always pray for each other, okay? And if you're not sure what to pray, just pray them into Father God's hands, okay? That's the safest place for them. I don't trust anybody else in the world. I only trust God, okay? And there's nowhere else I'd rather entrust people than into the hands of God, all right? Because there... Nobody could steal from God, okay? He is superior. He is sovereign over all things. Nobody would dare try to steal from God, okay? Because they can't do it. They will not succeed. You are safe and secure in God's hands. And the devil will try and try to snatch you away. But guess what? He will always fail, that devil, okay? Our God never fails, okay? <laughs> Yep. The hand of Jesus and the hand of the Father. Right. So there are two forces there holding on to you. <sighs> He's got us covered. Right? Remain in Christ. Christ remains in you. Christ and the Father are one. All right? Be united with God. Be reconciled to God. I guarantee you, friends, it is the best life you'll ever know, okay? Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Uh, who here is dead? No? <laughs> Spiritually dead, you might be, right? If you're a believer, then you know what? You have died already with Christ, 
Okay? Remember, we identify with him. We were with Christ in his death on the cross. Okay? We were with Christ in his death. So if you're a believer, you have died. And your life is hidden where? With Christ in God. Okay? When we were united with Christ in his death, our penalty of sin was paid. And we arose with him in new life. Believers have a common spiritual life with Father God and Christ, which the world cannot understand. Believers are eternally secure, protected from all spiritual enemies, and with access to all God's blessings. Do you know why we call our church communities access? Because it's only the church that has access to Father God through Jesus Christ, okay? That's why it's called access. When we seek God through his word, we get to know God, okay? Because his spirit reveals all things to us. His spirit reveals everything we need to know for today, okay? Can you trust that? Let's close off here. With confidence in Christ, Philippians 1 verse 6. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work, that work? work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. When God begins a work of salvation in a person, he actually finishes and perfects that work. When it talks about the day of Christ Jesus, please don't get this confused with the day of the Lord. This is not about the judgment when Jesus comes back, okay? When it talks about the day of Christ Jesus, it's talking about something even beyond that judgment, okay? Here, the day of Christ Jesus looks to the final salvation, the final reward and the glorification of the believer, okay? This has not to do with judgment. This has to do with the reward. This has to do with the good life, the more abundant life. And it's talking about glorification. This is talking about we will be changed, okay? And God's going to give us a new body. And he's preparing us for a new earth, a new heaven and a new earth. God's preparing you for eternity, okay? And that would be living in the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, verse 11 to 13. I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know that last part of the verse, right? Of course you do. Did you realize the context of it? All right. Now, um, this is the Apostle Paul talking, and he was a man of high rank for a long time. He knows what it was to have plenty, okay? And then later, he also knew what it was to, to lose everything for the sake of Christ. And he said, no matter what your situation is, no matter, no matter your circumstance, whether you're in need or you have plenty, are you content? Can you be thankful? Are you satisfied that Christ is enough for me? All right. Jesus is all I need for life and living. 
you know, some of my friends used to mock me and they're like, ha ha, what do you mean Jesus is all you need? You need a job. You need this and that. I'm like, listen, you know what? It's God that gives me life. It's God that gives me health. He gives me strength. He gave me my skill set. He created me. So I'm going to use everything God gave me to live for him, to honor and glorify him. No matter what job I take, well, it should be a job that doesn't defame God. All right? You should be able to go into your work and not be conflicted. I shouldn't be here. Some of us have jobs that we need to walk away from. It might be paying you a lot of money, but you're conflicted in your soul because you know what? You know that it is not at all glorifying God. And you might be one of those people rationalizing, but there's some bad people there that I want to minister to, man. But the very nature of your work cancels out the opportunity for God to be revealed. It's like the enemy is keeping you hidden. All right? If you're in a job or in a relationship or in anything that is just shaming God and not glorifying him, get out. Okay? Because you cannot serve two masters. You either live for God and trust in his security or you try to secure life for yourself and build your own life. But what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? yet suffer the loss of his soul. I can be strong as God puts his power in me to withstand all things, in whatever circumstances of difficulty and in prosperity. See, God infuses believers with his strength to sustain them until they receive some provision. Do you trust in God's strength? If you trust in God's strength, uh, put your hand up. Don't put it up to look good. Like, honestly, if you trust, then, then put your hand up. If you don't trust, that's okay. Don't worry. We're not judging you. Right? But do you trust in God's strength? Yes. Okay. If you're a person that struggles to put your hand up right now, I want you to look around the room at those people putting their hands up. Keep your hand up. If you trust in God's strength. If you're struggling, look around at the people that have their hand up. These are the ones you could go to and ask for prayer. Mm -hmm. Give them the opportunity to pray for you. Give them the opportunity to lift you up into the hands of God. Okay, this is how we start being the church together. Don't proclaim your faith in God and say, oh, your faith is just for you. No, we share that. We extend it to one another. We encourage each other and lift each other up into the hands of God. Okay, you all have a role to play. Your faith is not for yourself. Okay, God gives you strength so you could be a strength when somebody else is weak. All right? God gives you a heart and he gives you eyes and ears so you could receive his guidance and his wisdom and his knowledge and God will send you where you need to go. Let your faith be active. Okay? And your faith, it's not yours. It's a gift from God. And God gives gifts that are good for his whole church. Okay? For his whole family. Do you trust in his strength? Confidence in Christ, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. The both here is the Jews and the Gentiles, okay? 
we all have access. Okay, there's no favoritism here. All right, God has given access to anybody that comes and believes in, in Christ Jesus. I, you can say this to yourself. I have direct access to Father God through the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Believers are granted this right through faith in Christ's sacrificial death, that Christ's death was enough to pay the penalty for your sin. Okay? And also trusting in the resurrection power of God through his Spirit at work in your life. Okay? There's some things in our life that need to die, okay? And what God resurrects is only the good life. Stop trying to resurrect the old dead life that's meant to stay in the grave. Can I just hear you say, I have access? One more time. I have access. Does that make you feel a little more significant? Does it make you feel a little more important? It's like we could come to God. We have direct access. We don't have to call up and wait for a switchboard operator to transfer us. No. It's like you have access to God. Okay? When you are in Christ Jesus. Okay? God, why aren't you answering my prayer? Well, do you believe in Jesus? Pray and pray all you want. Okay? Pray and pray all you want. But until you come to a place of believing in Jesus, only then will you have the certainty that you have direct access to God. Okay? I have access. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 11 to 12. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Every person who comes to Christ in faith can come before God at any time. Can't say that enough. And not in self-confidence, but in Christ-confidence. Everyone say Christ-confidence. All right? You don't have to muster up the courage. All right? When you believe in Jesus, then you can approach God with Christ confidence. All right? If you feel ashamed of what you've done, you know what? When you come before God and you are placed in Christ, he doesn't see the shame. He doesn't see the, all that sin anymore. He just sees his son. He just sees his child. So are you hidden away in Christ? That's where the confidence is. Don't try and live this life apart from Jesus. Because you will suffer. You will not ever feel safe. You will never feel secure until you are in the hands of Jesus Christ and in the hands of his Father. We are granted this access through Christ so that we can live this eternal purpose. Do you know what the eternal purpose is? To glorify God. Everything was created by God in order to glorify him so he could make himself known to all that he has created. This whole life, this whole existence, it's not about you. It's all about God. Okay? God keeps us safe and secure in order to fulfill his kingdom purposes. Friends, will you stand with me?